your environment is an expression of you. It's an expression of your business. It's no different than looking at your website. So when somebody walks in and your space does not emulate what you're trying to promote or what you're selling or what your practice is, and there's a disconnect, then that actually creates a confusion and resistance to the person that would be buying. Welcome to the Self Starter Podcast, a place where stories are shared from women, just like you, who left the colorless corporate world with an idea and a passion and ran with it to create the vibrant life they always wanted to live. My name is Megan Tobler, and every week I'll be bringing real women to you to share their entrepreneurial journey in hopes of inspiring you to take the very first step of your own. Sometimes the hardest part is just to start. So come on, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. Let's go. I'm sure you've heard the phrase dress for success, but have you ever considered that the environment of your space also impacts your success? That's where today's guest, Carolyn Bolt, co-founder of Crossfields, a design firm in Atlanta can help as she creates outstanding environments nationwide. Learn how she pivoted into entrepreneurship after years in the architectural corporate space, how she and her husband created systems that have allowed the business to function even when they're away, and some tips on how you can create an environment that sets up your business for success. If you've ever wondered how to create a duplicatable and scalable process in your business and do it in an inviting space that best represents your brand, then this episode is for you. Carolyn, thank you so much for hopping on today and sharing your story with the Self Starter Podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks, Megan. Of course. Now, a huge reason that I started this podcast is because I am absolutely fascinated and inspired by women who went after their passion and started something of your own. And you're definitely one of them. So I don't want to give away all of your juicy story details here. So if you could just go ahead and dive into who you are for those people that aren't familiar with you, that would be wonderful just to get things kicked off. Thank you. Well, my name is Carolyn Bolt. You said that already. And I'm the co-founder of Crossfields Design. And we are an architecture and interior firm that specializes in holistic healthcare and helps them elevate their success. And we work virtually. So we have kind of a unique practice for the design firm. Wonderful. And I know you actually started this back in 2004 with your husband. What brought the two of you to be able to come together and create something that has had such lasting success over the years? That's an interesting story. So I actually started my entrepreneurial journey in 1992 when my daughter was two years old. So I know you've got a lot of startups that they got tired of the corporate world, never seeing their child and wanted that ability to have flexibility and be their own boss and all of that. So I became a contract interior architectural designer locally in the Atlanta area. And in 2004, my husband decided to leave his job, also have this entrepreneurial spirit and start to develop a business. And that he's in the construction side and architectural engineering side. So we started doing that together in 2004. And our largest client was actually started in 2003, just with me, but became our largest client was Life University, which is a chiropractic college here in the Atlanta area. And at the time we started with them, they had lost a president and were kind of getting a new president. They were not in a very good place, but started doing facility design work for them. So my background is always large corporate type work. But what happened is they became our largest client over the years. And we were just there all the time. And we became very immersed in the chiropractic profession. We began to understand it. We began to understand their pain. We began to understand everything about it. 
And at the same time, I was a holistic chiropractic patient, had my daughter was healed of tonsillitis when she was two years old through chiropractic. So I was a believer in it and passionate about it. So the university in 2010 asked us if we would consider teaching a class to the students, which we excitedly did for free because we were passionate about helping them. And um, that evolved into them asking us to help them. And we said, we don't know how to help you because we're just work used to working with big corporate clients and you're a small project. So just the entrepreneurial journey here was that we also realized at that point that we owned our job. We didn't really have a business. So that's a whole nother path we can take. But we began to understand, even though we had staff, everything bottlenecked through us. And so we really didn't have the freedom we wanted. And we were exposed to a book called The Entrepreneurial Myth or The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And that would be my big recommendation to anyone starting a business. And that talks about exactly what I just said, is that most businesses are started, he says, most businesses are started by a very, very good quality technician that has an entrepreneurial seizure and decides that they could be their own boss. And as you know, you start off getting to do all of that, and then you start doing everything that you're not trained to do, right? So with all of that being said, we had lost our passion and we were burnt out and began to put together pieces of, do we have an opportunity here to build a duplicatable, scalable process that we can train other designers and be able to support this community that we believed in? And the passion was to elevate the holistic community to the public so that we'd had such success in that holistic realm, but so many people were still skeptical of alternative care. So that's the big picture. That's where we are. That was a wonderful big picture. And you said something really interesting. You said that you owned your job, but you didn't have a business. Do you mind going a little bit deeper into that? Because I find that very fascinating. So this is where I discovered it through this book, Michael Gerber, The E-Myth. It was written like in the 80s. And he's not the only one that says this. Once you get into learning business from other people, but really the goal of a business is a business is supposed to pay money for you without you, okay? That's the goal of a business. So if you if someone invests in a business, that's what they're expecting. So it's like side-by-side side with an investment. So I don't know if you know who Robert Kiyosaki is, but he talks about the same thing where you have a job, you work for yourself, which means you own your job, or you have a business or you have an investment. And the financial wealth side is on the business and the investment because the other side is totally 100% dependent upon you to show up and be there. And I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of people get into entrepreneurship for the time freedom, but what they typically find is that they get into entrepreneurship and they're having to do everything all at once. And like you said, you're not the expert at everything. You're basically wearing all the hats to be able to make some money because obviously you're in business to make some money. So to be able to establish a business that, like you said, can make money without you, I think that is the really true key to freedom that you started way back in 1992 when your daughter was only two and has obviously just progressed with you over the years. I know that your first client was Life University when you partnered with your husband and really went all in on this business. So I'm curious just to also understand, like, how did you get that first client? Because I think that's really when people are getting started, it's getting that first client to be able to prove that you do have something really of value here. 
So before I went off on my own, I have a degree in interior architecture and I had worked in the industry for almost 10 years. And you already heard my daughter was two. I was traveling and I wasn't there for her and my heart was hurting. And the owner of the company I was working for really encouraged me to go off on my own. And I was very blessed that a client that had been my client with this company was a furniture manufacturer and I was a project manager helping do the design of office spaces and had a client that I had worked with that had come and asked for some service work that didn't involve buying new product. It all kind of came together and he knew that I was looking at going out on my own, very much encouraged me. He was an entrepreneur. He said, you've got that entrepreneurial spirit. And he said, why don't you take this project? So I was handed this big project that I was very capable of doing. And it was already kind of my client. And it was with the support of this manufacturing company because they couldn't do it because there was no money in it for them. They couldn't charge for the service. So I walked out that way. And then all the work that I got after that was all word of mouth. It was me just general networking, knowing people, having been in the Atlanta area long enough to have connected with people and very much networking, very much referral networking. And when times were lean, it was because I'd been working on projects too much and hadn't been networking. And then all of a sudden the project would finish and then I had to go network again. So understanding I had to have consistent networking was a really important thing just for me to keep work that I was doing. Absolutely. I come from a corporate sales background and they always say that you always have to keep that funnel full. So I think the mistake that a lot of people make, no matter what business you're in, is that you get kind of inundated with a bunch of work that you let some of the core responsibilities take a back seat, which the most important thing of your business is constantly bringing more people into that funnel. So that way you always have a prospective list of clients to be able to work with because I mean, you're done with the project and you have nothing. So networking is truly key. Been there, been there. Absolutely. Been there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Especially when you, yeah, you have crazy deadlines and it's all you and What's very different though about what we're doing now is we knew that for us to start working for these smaller offices, specifically, we only started with chiropractors. Now we do all kinds of holistic health and we niched down to really small. Before this, I've done hotels, I've done restaurants, I've done corporate, I've done you know anything commercial, stores, retail, all types of things. And it was really scary to niche down. Now, I will say that we kept the corporate thing going. We had a website, it actually started as a blog and a Facebook page to just get the communication out there. And we developed the system and all that, but we kind of kept both of them running for a while. And we continued to do a lot of work at Life University. And then it just got to where we knew that this is what we needed to do. So we started to really focus there. And at the same time, we were able to reduce what we were doing mostly with Life University and start saying no to the other things so we could say yes to this. But what shifted was it was a whole different business model. And the business model was now an online gathering lead funnel system, email system, totally different than anything we'd ever done when it was just us on the streets one-on-one. -on -one. So I had to learn all of that. It was a new process, a new venture. And I know you said that you were a little bit scared to niche down. And I think niching down is this big topic right now, especially when you're getting your business started to really hone in on a concentrated group. So once you decided to really niche down into the holistic space, rather than working with all of these large corporations, I know you said you were able to systematize things, but how did that really impact your business moving forward once you really got clear on who you were going to work with? 
Well, everything, everything, the messaging, the website, the communication, the sales information, how we sold, who they were, how we responded, how we showed up. I remember when in the very beginning, like I said, 2010, 2011 is when we were starting to really get this idea. So another bit of advice, we didn't know what we were doing. So we hired an expert to help us. So we hired a marketing company. It was really just really one main guy. And I remember he came to us and said, so you want to work with chiropractors. So let's describe who your ideal client is. And I go, yeah, we had done a few chiropractic offices. So we touched on them and we kind of knew and we were doing startups and things, which was the other thing that overlapped is I got the opportunity to work on a few chiropractic offices and just fell in love with helping the entrepreneur as opposed to the corporation. It was a totally different place to be. But saying that, when he said, who's your ideal client? I go, what does that mean? I didn't know what he meant, you know? So it was just learning that and not only niching down to we work for chiropractors, but niching down that we have a very specific avatar that we work for. The more we've grown, the more clear we know who we serve best. And I think that the more you niche down and the clearer you are within who you are reaching out to, that's when you're messaging, you're speaking directly to your audience. So that way, you know exactly who you're reaching out to, you know exactly what they care about, what their pain points are, and it allows you to get probably a better ROI on your marketing strategy at the end of the day as well. Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. But the other caveat to niching down that small is we knew we were going to have to have a different way of delivering our product because there were not enough chiropractors in Atlanta that were needing to build businesses that we could support and that could support us even just as small as we had gotten. Because this was, like I said, 2010. So we'd kind of gone through a recession. We'd kind of gotten slower. And it was really just my husband and I and a, a support person at the time we really started where we'd had 12 people at one point. So it was uh, like, hey, we've got to do something differently if we're going to reach that many people. And so that's where we started the virtual design. And it's really interesting because I have the opportunity to speak with a lot of women entrepreneurs. And there's a big theme about being able to pivot your business when the need for a pivot is necessary. So you mentioned that you went virtual at this point. How did you really pivot your business to be able to accommodate this new group of folks that you were working with? We took the design process that we go through with a large corporation and we skimmed it down to just the essence of what these smaller doctors needed. And after reading the e-myth book, that's the key to duplicating and transferring your business is creating tight systems. So one of the examples is that if you go to, I'm going to use McDonald's, if you go to McDonald's, every franchise, you taste the same French fry because they have an exact system what to do. So the, you can get more people to duplicate you. So it's like, what do we believe in? How do we want to work? What do we need to do? Documenting it all so that then you can train other people to follow that path. So that was brand new to us, brand new, because every other project we've done had been very customized, specific to that client and that client's needs. A new scope of services every time we met with a new client. Now we have bulleted scopes of services that we duplicate. Our designs are always different. So we don't duplicate designs. We're not boxed, you know, to have a box, but our process is streamless most and of the time. <laughs> <laughs> And I assume too, when you're talking about having a streamlined process and making sure, I know you were talking about the freedom to not have to actually be a part of the business. 
the, the business will make money without you. So now you actually have a team. So it's more than just your husband and yourself. So I don't even do design anymore. See, that's incredible. I'm assuming that's because at the very beginning, you created these systems and these processes to be able to have kind of the, the brand voice that spoke for itself. And that way you could train your team to be able to duplicate really what this is all about. Yes. Yes. So I was starting to, um, you know, this has been going on now for 12 years. And so, yes, I was doing all the design probably until about three years ago. And now I just get a few clients here and there because I'm still a designer. I'm still passionate about it. I need to touch it every once in a while, but I get to pick who I want. As my design staff says, you get all the Louis Vuitton jobs, you know, <laughs> but as I was saying that finding the right team was key. Oh my gosh, that was a huge learning curve because I always had junior designers working under me and had a real hierarchy of, you know, top down. And I ended up hiring a designer that would basically is almost exactly the same number of years of experience as me. Actually, first I hired one that was 15 years younger than me that had almost exactly the same experience. And I trained her. And then the second designer, I let me say this, I had a staff and they slowly didn't work out, then I hit on what did work. And I found someone 15 years younger than me instead of 25 years younger than me is what I'm trying to say, that had the same kind of experience. And I trained her. She's still with me, nine years. And then the second one that I hired is almost as old as I am. And she has probably in some ways more experience than me in the design world. And so it was that ability that I didn't have to teach them to be a designer. I just had to teach them our system. And I could trust that they would walk through the project just like I would, or sometimes even better. So that was a real learning curve. And that second designer has been with us five years. So the third designer that I have, I knew what to look for. And she's wonderful. So I have three full-time, super senior designers. And we figured out, we also went through the process where we figured out that our projects are so small, everybody is a one-on-one. -on -one. We don't have a team of designers work on your project. They have that one-on-one, -on -one. you don't have a corporation anyway, so it just worked better. So it's just, it's trial and error actually going through it and always being able to adjust. Yeah. Going back to that pivoting that we were talking about, but I yes. really like that intimate environment that you've been able to create between your team and the clients, because I think that, especially when you're working with these independent business owners, having yeah. that intimate experience where you have that trusted relationship and advisor is really key to a long lasting relationship. And you mentioned that a lot of the business was word of mouth and that's how you continuously get business outside of just the general networking. It's doing great work, having these relationships and having yeah. people speak highly of you moving forward. Absolutely. Now, just to shift, the old business was 100% word of mouth. The new business is still only about 10 to 15% word of mouth. The rest of it is really internet search. So it's they're finding us. We're still working on growing that influencer word of mouth process. That's been a lot harder because we can't get face to face with people the same way. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's it's totally different than being on the streets, being in networking groups and things like that when everything's virtual. And so it's been a learning experience too. Oh, I'm sure. I think especially as technology has evolved, like you have to evolve your business with really the state of the world and the economy just in general and how quickly technology is adapting here. So how have you been able to attract a lot of these clients through your social strategies and website? I started by writing a free lead magnet, the five biggest mistakes chiropractors make when opening an office. And I publicized it on 
Facebook. Now, this was 2010, 2011, something like that. Can't do that the same way. You know, you're talking about everything changes. And I started immediately hired someone to help me. How do I do some marketing? So he was really small and that's where we started. And then I said, you know what? I think this has teeth. And then we hired the next level of marketing company and built the website. And he kind of set us up to start to create our email list. And through campaigning and stuff, we did some trade shows and we did some things to just start to get our word out there. But yeah, we grew an email list. You know, now we have 10,000 or so, 12,000 or so on our email list where we started out with none. <laughs> so that's, that's the process that we went through. Like I said, totally different, totally different than on the ground. I don't know what kind of sales you were in, but that face-to-face one-on-one, it's not like that at all. But I did, I was telling you, I hired these designers and then I hit a point where, and I was doing all the sales. And then my daughter had her first baby and I was like, Hey, I want to take off for a month and be with her and the baby and all of that. So my husband took over the sales. And then when I came back, it was like, gosh, I don't want to do this all the time. So I hired a salesperson. I went through a couple before I found the right one, but now I have the right one. So um, that's been a freedom, huge freedom, because she meets with probably five new people a week, one-on-one, and then all this follow-up and you know, it's a whole system. (laughs) You truly have been able to create such freedom in your life. I know that that's been a topic that we had discussed earlier, but it truly just keeps unfolding and you keep getting new levels of freedom for every new hire that you bring on board. Absolutely. That's the key. The last hire that we've made is a sales assistant to help the salesperson so that she could focus on what she was a genius at because she wasn't a genius at admin at all. And so we know we needed to fix that. And then we just hired, I guess it's been about four months, an executive assistant. And um, that's been great. But learning how to let go of some of the, some stuff is a whole nother learning experience. And as I was telling you, I did go in November-ish. Yeah, November, I went to three days a week. And then I decided to create a course. And now I'm back to seven hours a week because that course is more (laughs) involved than I What I really like about what you've said already is that you knew that it was really important for you to create an email list. And I think a lot of people, when they first get started with their business, they turn immediately to social media and they think that they have to have these fancy profiles. And while that's all great, you really need a place where you're able to extract this information because who knows what's going to happen with social media in the future, but you have a list of over 10,000 emails that when you want to sell this course, You have people that you can market to that are already in your pocket here. So I think that's really smart. And something that you've also done that I know we haven't talked about is you've gotten really great at being on podcasts. You've been on multiple podcasts, and this is an opportunity for you to get more visibility and have different conversations. So that way people can understand more about what you're doing and really get to know you as a person. And I think that is a huge part of what attracts people to wanting to work with Crossfields. Well, thank you. That was a leap of faith also. Is this going to work or not? And I knew that I didn't have it in me to create my own podcast. I just respect you for doing it. I just knew that wasn't my love or what I was going to do, but I'm having so much fun sharing and meeting people every day. And it's been great. Absolutely. Now, I know that you had mentioned that your business has evolved over the years. And the next step for you is you're creating this course. Tell us more a little bit about this course that you're creating and what we can expect once it's complete. So this first class that we created for these chiropractors, it was focused on how your environment will impact your success, either to the positive or the negative. 
So paying attention to the environment, how to create an environment, what environment meaning your office space. It's not the colors on the wall or the floor plan. It's the lighting and all everything that's around it. So that's where part of the course was. And then the other part of the course is very much about, I guess at that point, we have done four chiropractic offices, startups, right around the time we created the course. And one of the biggest mistakes they were making is they just didn't understand the process of opening an office of going through the steps of what you needed to do. And they were missing items and it was failure. A lot of cost, a lot of waste, a lot of fear, a lot of just unknown. And there wasn't anyone really teaching them from our perspective, from the design and construction perspective of how this fits into the flow of time and their space. So those are the two places that we were teaching back then. I still teach at Life University and another couple of colleges but I've shortened it down to two hours and I just have hours and hours and hours worth of material. So we've taken this original six hours and expanded it. And it's probably going to be about eight hours worth of teaching. And the focus is to help a startup or a new build from that state of overwhelm and unknown to a place of confidence, to have a roadmap that they can follow and know the direction that they need to go and to save them money along the process. Saving money is always a great thing. And I know that your niche is really these chiropractic offices. However, a lot of the listeners are entrepreneurs that are really starting their businesses. Do you have any tips for when they're actually creating their own office environment, when they're going out on their own, how they can create an environment that will impact their long-term success as an entrepreneur? Absolutely. Absolutely. The principles of design are universal. It's not, yes, we work in the chiropractic and holistic world because that's where our specialty is. And it's really crosses over even into residential. There is a psychology of space and understanding that psychology of space is a kind of, it's an unknown to some people. Some people naturally know, but it's an unknown, but the light in your space, the colors in your space, the textures in your space, the decorated part of your space, as well as the way your space functions you know, is everything where it needs to be? All of that is going to impact how you feel in the space. And in addition to that, what's really important is if you have a brick and mortar sales where people come into your space, your environment is an expression of you. It's an expression of your business. It's no different than looking at your website. Okay. So when somebody walks in and your space does not emulate what you're trying to promote or what you're selling or what your practice is or whatever that business is, and there's a disconnect, then that actually creates a confusion and resistance to the person that would be buying. And that's a psychology. Commercial interior design is not a luxury. Commercial interior design is a business practice. Do you know what I'm saying? It's part of your business marketing practice. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to a woman the other day who is a personal stylist for entrepreneurs. And I see a lot of similarities in what you're yes. talking about as well as what she was talking about, because you are your walking brand. So if you do have that brick and mortar store, when you walk in, you should be able to feel that this is the business, you know, exactly like we were talking about McDonald's. When you walk into McDonald's, there's a certain feel that you have at every single location. People know what to expect. They can see a commercial on TV and you know exactly because of the colors, the feel, the caricatures and things like that. So I completely understand what you're saying there. And I think that that is something that I'm personally working on is really making sure that I'm creating a space that is branded to the self-starter audience because 
I need to be able to be almost like that walking billboard, you know? Yes, yes, yes. A walking billboard. And it's interesting. You said that about stylist and everything. It's the idea of dressing for success. I'm old enough to remember that book from the eighties dress for success. And it was all about, especially women out in the workforce. How did they show up and compete with men and the way they dress? And we were talking about virtual businesses. And I mentioned to you, your background is beautiful, beautiful. It's enhancing. It's beautiful. It represents You'd be surprised how many of these podcasts I get on where that's not like that. And I understand we're not being in video, but if you're doing virtual meetings, your background is part of your whole image. And I know you can green screen it out, but if you need to green screen it out, you know, do what you need to, because it's what people are seeing behind you. It's like the matting around your frame. Yeah. Image truly makes a difference. People gravitate towards those eye-catching things and that's what they remember at the end of the day. Now, I know you've shared a lot of great advice. You shared about the E-Myth book. You shared that you also invested in a coach, but what other things would you potentially recommend to an entrepreneur that's really just getting started? Um, Well, when you're first getting started, I would say what I didn't have out there was there is a lot of courses on starting businesses, okay? There's a lot of them out there. And you don't want to get into a place where you're spending so much time studying all these courses that you never have time to take any action. So I'm not saying do too many, but you know, scout around and find some that help you understand what the pieces are you need to do to set up a business. And at the very beginning, you're going to be everything because you're trying to make money. So you're going to be the head technician. You're going to be your product more than likely, or you're going to be creating your product. But start to begin to think immediately how much you want to make and think of your time as worth that much money and look at what you're doing. And if you're doing things that are below that, you can hire someone for less, do it. Because the faster you start to hire support people to support you, the faster you'll grow. I will share with you this. The very first thing I did was I hired a housekeeper. She came in twice a month because I was spending four hours or more every couple of weeks, you know, scrubbing toilets. And I was like, that's one of the very first things I could do. It was a stretch for me to even hire her when I was an entrepreneur to start, but it alleviated me from that part because I wanted to spend my time being a mother, not spending my time scrubbing toilets. So just that simplicity. And then the next person I hired was an assistant, just starting to hire an assistant and contract people to help you with things. It's scary, but if you think about the things that you do, if you're doing things that are not in your genius zone, they're robbing you of your energy and they're robbing you of your ability to perform and do the things that you really are passionate about. So starting to check those things off the list. And that would be what pretty much every coach that we've worked with. The first person we hired was all about marketing that I was telling you, but we've since hired real business coaches. You know, they started out as more courses. And then they've grown into more one-on-one as we've grown. That's amazing advice. Going back to what you were saying about your genius zone, you can't be a genius in all different areas of your business. I mean, if you are, please reach out to me because I'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I haven't met anyone that is truly a genius at every single part of their business. So being able to invest early in help is going to be a game changer in helping you scale more quickly. Can you do it without it? Maybe, but it's going to take a lot longer to get there. There's so many different resources as far as you mentioned contractors like Fiverr and Upwork. You can hire them at a relatively low cost point in order to help take off a little bit of load off your plate without having to have a full-time hire. So 
lots of different options today than there were probably in 1992 when we didn't have as many access to the internet. So uh, definitely, definitely. (laughs) Carolyn, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I have really enjoyed our conversation. If anyone wanted to learn a little bit more about what you're doing and if they are a chiropractic office and wanting a little bit of design help, where can they go ahead and find more about what you're doing? So our website is crossfieldsdesign.com. And we have a landing page for podcast guests called crossfieldsdesign.com listeners, and they can get access to one of our free e-booklets. The one that we have out there for everyone is the five-point designer checklist, which would be how we would evaluate sprucing up an office, the big five things we would look at. So that could be helpful for, like you said, any business. And yes, we started with chiropractors, but it's expanded. We touch all areas of integrative medicine, holistic health, wellness, gyms, yoga studios, acupuncture, all of that realm of business. And honestly, it's because our chiropractors were doing all of it. So we've learned it all. So things we already know how to do as a specialist. So thank you for having me on. I really have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it as well. So thank you so much and can't wait to go download that freebie myself. Okay. Thank you. So often, we are consumed by perfecting our social feeds and website, making sure they have a great aesthetic feel. But what Carolyn brought to life today was that the environment you are in is also an expression of you and your business. So it's important to create a space that accurately represents that. While Carolyn shared a lot of great tips you can apply to your business, there was one thing that she and her husband did that really stood out. They made sure to document all of their processes starting from the beginning of company conception because they knew that they wanted to be able to create a business that would operate without them. Because like she said, the goal of a business is to make money for you without you. And time, freedom, and flexibility is what most of us desire. So let me ask you, self-starter, is time, freedom, and flexibility important to you too? Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Self-Starter Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to like and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. Want even more? Be sure to head to selfstarter.com. And remember, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. See you next time.